You are listening to Noted, a music and beer podcast hosted by Jeff Burns and Brian Duggar and produced by The Blade. Brian Duggar, I'm here with my buddy uh, Jeff Burns. We are back in Toledo after our weekend away at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductions. Um, tell you what, just a fantastic weekend. And uh, Bon Jovi, The Cars, Dire Straits, The Moody Blues, Nina Simone, Sister Rosetta Tharp are all now new Hall of Fame members. And later on the show, we're going to talk about The Butcher and The Brewer, one of the breweries that we actually visited in Cleveland. And we're talking about a couple of the beers that we had while we were there. Yeah, uh, we made the journey back. Uh, it was a very long weekend. Uh, but Brian, the, the song that just played, that was, uh, that was actually part of uh, Bon Jovi's performance, Living on a Prayer, uh, while we were there. Yeah, you know what, Jeff, is great seeing Richie Sambora next to John Bon Jovi again. It's been, I think, since like 2012 since these guys were side by side. And, you know, they reunited for the uh, ceremony, and it really was great seeing them there. But, you know, before we get ahead of ourselves, you know, we actually went to the Rock Hall on Friday, and you you said it was actually your first time there. So give us, you know, give me your impressions of what you thought. Yeah, it it was incredible, man. I felt like that I, I, I could honestly live there. I, I wish I could have spent the entire weekend there and <laughs> we were only there for a couple of hours. Uh, but to be honest with you, man, my, my favorite part was, um, you know, aside from seeing all the exhibits, um, my favorite exhibit was the Rolling Stone uh, magazine exhibit all the way at the top, which was the sixth floor. Sixth um, floor. Yeah. Yeah. There's a basement and then six floors. Yeah. Yeah. That was incredible, man. It was just, you know, it, 50 years of Rolling Stone, um, you know, it just, all the magazine covers, uh, there were even handwritten letters from, I mean, there was one handwritten letter from Paul McCartney in there. Uh, he wrote a letter, I forget what the year was, but in the letter he was complaining about some sort of um, uh, money issue that Rolling <laughs> Stone had uh, mistakenly uh, put in an article. Um, it's just, things like that, man, it just were just so mind-blowing to me. But one of the really cool things, Jeff, we didn't even know we were invited to an unveiling of this year's, like an, a new exhibit they have for this year's inductees. And, and so we go up to like the third floor on uh, Friday, and we really don't know what to expect. And all of a sudden we start hearing these uh, squeals and screams from like higher up. And all of a sudden Bon Jovi and uh, <laughs> David Bryan and some of the guys from Moody Blues, they come yeah. down and come down the escalator and you know they come out right in front of us and basically they unveiled a uh, 
uh, a little monument or like some plaques for plaque, them. Yeah. And man, what a thrill for me because I'm telling you, Bon Jovi, they were the soundtrack of my youth. I mean, senior prom was, uh, you know, <laughs> never say goodbye. And I remember being in my basement, you know, pumping iron to uh, some Bon Jovi tracks. So it was, it was it, kind of a little surreal for me to have John like standing right in, in front of us. It was, but, uh, yeah, man. That was, I mean, it was awesome. I mean, even the hundreds of people, you know, standing over the balconies, just trying to get a glimpse of these guys, man. I mean, obviously they still hold true to that spark. Um, even, right. even today. Yeah, it's really important. Being inducted is really important for John. You know, he's talked about it for the last couple of years, and he's kind of been snubbed. And so he got a little emotional over the weekend a couple of different times. But, you know, let's jump ahead to Saturday night. You know, Friday was just gorgeous in, in Cleveland. You know, it was in the 70s. The sun was out. Then Saturday, <laughs> you know, it, it's raining. Oh, my it, God. The wind is blowing the rain sideways. It it's terrible. about 40 degrees. It's just miserable. It was miserable. And, but one of the big surprises, for some people, they said they were shocked that Bon Jovi was actually the first people inducted. But, <laughs> um, you know, I had known this because I listened to Howard Stern, and for weeks he's been saying that he cut a deal with the Rock Hall to go on first because, you know, he goes to bed by 9 o'clock. So he wanted to be on at 7 30 when this thing started and sure enough you know he did and you know he just had the crowd in stitches i mean just a funny funny opening speech (laughs) it was hilarious and uh you know he started off you know making fun of the rolling stone co-founder jan renner winner sorry i want to keep saying renner but man it's winner well hey it's like it's like (laughs) what howard Stern was saying jan jan however the (laughs) however you pronounce his his first name at least but yeah man you're right it was totally it was hilarious i was literally laughing out loud the entire speech uh (laughs) where we were in the press room watching that but for years you know people have said that jan has colluded to keep them out of the rock and roll hall of fame and you know he's on he's a board member but he's got a lot of power you know with Rolling Stone magazine, so he's kind of lobbied to have. Some people say he's lobbied to have certain people kept out of the rock hall. But anyhow, so Howard kind of started his speech talking about that, and we have a clip of that right here. Now, Jan required years of pondering to decide if this glorious band that sold over a hundred thirty million albums should be inducted. What a tough decision! Gee, I don't know if I should let Bon Jovi in. 130 million albums. That's not such a big deal. Let me give you an idea what the number 130 million means. And it means a lot. Now, the bubonic plague only killed 50 million people. The atom bomb only killed 225,000 people. 625,000 people died in the Civil War. Peanuts compared to 130 million Bon Jovi albums. How uplifting is my speech tonight? Anybody want to hear about the AIDS epidemic? Or, uh... But you see, even with all of this talk of death and destruction, I'm making a point. And my point is that 130 million is ridiculously big. Try to look at it this way. The average amount of sperm in one ejaculation is only a hundred million. Bon Jovi beat sperm, ladies and gentlemen. God bless them all. Love them. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so that was Howard. I mean, it's just funny stuff. Funny and, stuff all around, man. You know, I mean, and then the Bon Jovi guys came on stage, and yeah. you know, David and Tico and and 
all those guys kind of gave short speeches, and then John gets up to the mic, and uh, he talks for about 20 minutes. He and... did talk for 20 minutes. <laughs> but I felt like he, he probably like felt like he had to, though. I mean, just being John Bon Jovi, the front, front man of this band. I mean, people are expecting him to sort of right. give that kind of a speech and uh, last for that long so up he, there. So he kind of did a chronological thing with uh, as far as the band's uh, history. But then at the end, he got a little bit emotional talking about his kids and his wife and you know the individual band members band members so actually here we have another clip of uh john toward the end of his speech to my kids stephanie jesse jacob and romeo you are my greatest hits i love you all and to my wife dorothea you're my everything you're the greatest gift that god could have given me you're there whenever i breathe and i just want to Make your tea and tell you how much I love you forever. All right, finally, the end of my speech. I know, I know. It's about time. And that has been the theme of our weekend. So it all really just depends on how you read into those words. It's about time. Because time is the most precious commodity we have. I thank my lucky stars for the time that I got to spend with each one of you. Alec. Richie, Hugh, Tico, David, to you, to us, to all of you, tonight the band that agreed to do me a favor stands before you so I can say thank you for making this dream a reality. Yeah, Jeff, one of the cool things that John actually mentioned there in his speech was, you know, these guys did me a favor. And what people don't know, a lot of people don't know about Bon Jovi is he was just a kid and he put together like this song, Runaway, that he cut in like his uncle or one of his relative studios. So he took this song and then he ran it into like these DJs, <laughs> like in New Jersey or New, New York, Jersey. something like that, and and said, "Hey guys, you got to listen to." It. He actually joked that you know, thank God they didn't have a receptionist <laughs> because he was able to just walk into the studio and hand them this. And these guys really liked the uh, song, but so they said, "Why didn't you come back for like a new artist thing?" Well, John thought that was great. He's going to have a performance, but he didn't have a band. <laughs> he had just kind of cut this. You know, without any of his band members. So, you know, I think he got together David, and David knew Richie, and then Richie knew Tico, and and so that's really how yeah, Bon and, Jovi and, started. And when we were in the press room, I mean, a couple of those dudes from the radio station, uh, you know, so where Brian and I were, we're, we're backstage pretty much at this auditorium. And uh, what happens is, uh, you know, it's the press room. So you have people from, you know, there's people from Variety there, NPR, uh, Billboard Magazine was there, iHeartMedia, um, iHeartRadio uh, from New York City was there. All the major league players in uh, music journalism were there. And uh, so there's a stage. Um, it's a live stream, so you have a couple of screens set up. And there's a stage with a microphone. So after a band or artist performed uh, or gave a speech, they would come back to where we were um, and pose for pictures 
and uh, also take a couple of questions from press. And actually, a couple of those radio uh, guys from that station were there when Bon uh, Jovi came back. And yeah, I think it was RAAP yeah. in New York, which isn't even around anymore, but that's where yeah. they were from. Yeah, and it was cool because uh, John Bon Jovi actually you know, allowed them to go up on stage and gave them a couple hugs. And, yeah, because uh, he didn't even know they were going to be there. Then all of a sudden, <laughs> they're like, hey, John, this is yeah. uh, you know, Skip from RAAP. Yeah. I'm sorry, that's not his name, but... Uh, <laughs> He and he just went. And he got really emotional. He's like, "Oh my God, it's a wow! Yeah. These are the guys that started it he, all." Yeah, so, man. Yeah, so probably cool. their career highlight for those yeah. dudes at the radio station. Tell you what, Bon Jovi, man, those guys were great. They all came back and talked to us. And Richie Sambora is actually funny because later in the night, <laughs> you know, we get a, a heads up that Richie's going to come out for uh, <laughs> photos only. So we're like, okay, he's already been out here once, but whatever. So he came out, took some photos, then he goes back. Then the publicist comes out again and said, Richie Sambora is coming back for questions. We're like, come on, man. He was like eating it up. I mean, he was really enjoying oh, it. Oh, dude, he was totally and- eating it up. And he's still got that rock star whole like persona thing going on where he's, you know, he's everything that he was wearing he he had his shades on still you know even though we were inside (laughs) yeah and someone shouted a question at him he's like you know yelled he's like you gotta speak up man yeah i've been in a rock band i'm deaf as hell yeah there's some profanity in in, uh in that i'm pretty sure if i can remember so i mean but he was great he just spent a lot of time talking to us it was cool man it was really cool from him because he was so willing to do that yeah and you know what's really neat i mean some of these guys you know, I mean, they're larger than life to you growing up, but here all of a sudden they're in front of you. And, you know, earlier in the week before we even went to Cleveland, you actually had a conversation with Ann Wilson, who inducted Moody Blues later that night. And to me, it cracked me up because she was so honest with you. I mean, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So a couple of days before Brian and I traveled to Cleveland, uh, I was able to secure a, a phone interview with Ann Wilson. Um, and everybody knows, and for those who don't, she was, uh, you know, Part of Hearts, um, the band Hearts, which is known for, you know, they had really big hits like Barracuda and um, um, Crazy on You. And now she's doing a lot of solo work. Uh, she's she's really pursuing her solo career. Well, she she actually inducted the Moody Blues, um, you know, and the Moody Blues, they're they're known for uh, they're probably I mean, a huge album from the Moody Blues is uh, their 1967 album, I believe, is the year it came out was uh, Days of Future Past um, and, uh, you know, their hit. Uh, nights in white satin and when i was talking to ann wilson on the phone which was about 15 minutes or so so it wasn't terribly long um i'm sure she's really busy but it was still cool that she you know took some time to talk to me about this i was curious because i was asking her how uh uh you know she got involved with you know trying uh, wanting to induct or being able to i should say uh the moody blues and it actually came about with her uh writing a letter um and uh you know there's a there's a pretty cool story um which you can hear right now from that interview that phone call you know when days of future past came out um i was at art college in seattle after high school and and um it it sort of it changed my life i mean it just really went straight to my mind and um you know i've always been a musician playing the flute and so i really latched onto the classical element of it with the strings and everything and um then I, you know, heard the In Search of the Lost Chord, and by then I was dropping acid and stuff, and so, uh, yeah. you know, I'd always take the Moody Blues on acid trips, and then, you know, I talked about how uh, their music kind of accompanied me into being um, sort of an outsider girl, 
on dates with guys and uh, the radio would be on and if a Moody Blues song came on, I couldn't concentrate on the guy. It was just, I'd go straight into the music because it, it was like like I knew who they were. They were sort of my my companions in, in trippiness. I mean, how cool is that, man? I mean, she's just, you know, I'm a complete stranger to her. And I mean, I, I interviewed her last summer for a show she played here in uh, Sylvania over at Centennial Terrace. So this was my second time talking to her. But I mean, I'm still a complete stranger. But yet she's so open to, you know, talking about her, you know, tripping on acid earlier in her life, which ultimately contributed to her love for the Moody Blues. I mean, it's just so cool of her. So interesting to me. Yeah, you know what? She mentioned that actually the ceremony a couple of times too about just tripping on acid to the Moody Blues. And I don't know. It's I'm just not surprised. She said like her and her husband actually travel around the country. Yeah, in yeah, RG, yeah. Exactly. So. <laughs> That's how they travel. And it's because she wants to be her solo career. You know, she talks a lot about how she wants it to be. She wants to travel in this, you know, bus essentially with her husband because she was so tired of, you know, when she was in heart staying in these luxurious hotels um you know sort of living that kind of a life as a rock star and now it seems like she just wants to you know take this you know totally totally <laughs> different direction i don't know it's just really really interesting stuff yeah tell, tell you what jeff another highlight for me was the cars who actually have a local connection of sorts because rick okasic the lead singer actually went to Bowling Green, you know, some people say for a year, other people say about a year and a half. And Yeah, it wasn't long. It wasn't yeah. long at all. <laughs> he, was, he dropped out. You too. know, he, by his own admission, he was just not a student. He had other <laughs> plans. I mean, he, he planned but it worked. all along. <laughs> it worked for him. Yeah, it worked out okay for him. <laughs> but, you know, he met Ben Orr, who died like in 2000, but he met Ben in Cleveland. And right. these guys actually played in Cleveland and up in Ann Arbor a lot. And uh, Okasik actually became a manager at a clothing store up in Ann Arbor. <laughs> That's right. And and he hired his buddy Ben <laughs> just so they could practice their music so picture, in, in the back of the store. Yeah, so I'm trying to picture walking into the store and there's Rick Okasik as the manager of the store. <laughs> just like, it's like so bizarre to me. But... Yeah, yeah. again, he came backstage and talked to us for a bit, and we actually have a sound clip here but where he's talking about one of his first performances in front of a crowd was actually down the road at Case Western, which is literally only a couple blocks yeah. away. But here's a sound clip from Rick backstage. Um, I had a solo double underground here in 1967 with Nico at the Lacob. Do you know where Lacob is? It's a club, and I like that. Uh, I also, like I said out there, the first time I ever played in front of people, uh, I s tried to find a place where nobody would really know me. So I went to a boot nanny and I played there. So I just thought it was kind of funny that I played. I think that was down by Case Western Reserve. So that's not very far from here, right? So I kind of played the first time there and probably going to play, came, you know, up the block a little bit here and here. You know, coming in with years later, so that's a weird scene. So again, it's great. The cars, they all came back, and yeah, it, it was just great having them back there. But I'm curious, Jeff. You know, tell me about some of your highlights for the of the ceremony. Of the ceremony, yeah. Uh, man, it was just it was just total. It was chaos, man. I mean, 
you heard the on the red carpet. Let's see, the red carpet started at five thirty, and granted. For those listening, it was the, the weather. It was raining, so all the people waiting, you know, on the red carpet, just watching this, experiencing this. They were all in ponchos. It was like thirty-five degrees. <laughs> they had umbrellas. Crazy. The wind was terrible. So, you know, those I mean, are some pretty hardcore fans right there, man. <laughs> yeah, you, you'd see the do- the door would open every once in a while, and we could hear out into the red carpet. Yeah, and you'd just hear all these screams. And they were like... still like that excited <laughs> in that kind of weather, man. That's just like a whole different side of fandom right there. But, um, you know, so. Just the fact of, you know, my, our experience, like where we were. So Brian and I, the ceremony didn't start until 7.30. But Brian and I had, uh, we arrived um, to the auditorium and were in line to get into like the press room at like 4.30. 4.30. So this is three hours before uh, the ceremony, ceremony even started. And we wanted to get there early because it's first come, first served. Because we wanted served. to get the food. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the food. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you know, we wanted to get good seats where, where, you know, that were closest to the stage and we wanted to make sure that we had all of our stuff set up. And, you know, that was really exhilarating because like I said earlier, I mean, these, we were, you know, in line with people from billboard and iHeartRadio, And, uh, um, so this whole experience, like it, it was just chaotic. And when it was going on, um, you know, I was just like sitting there thinking like, man, it's going to be pretty, pretty neat to see, uh, John Bon Jovi, literally 10 feet in front of me, just, you know, talking about right. whatever. Right. So the experience from that was just. And, and, you know, earlier in the week, Jeff, I remember before we went there, you know, you had talked to somebody who had covered this event before and they told you to bring a sleeping bag. And I'm like, well, that's kind of a weird <laughs> yeah, someone, statement. Someone like... <laughs> tweeted me. Yeah. Someone tweeted me and said, hey, bring, make sure you bring a sleeping bag. It's, it's pretty boring. And now we know why, because, I mean, <laughs> like you said, it started at 730 and we were not, the ceremony did not end oh, until 1210. Yeah. And that was without, I mean, traditionally the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony, they do this big jam at the end and. And they didn't do that this time. So I don't know. They I was cut so it out bummed out that of, they didn't do I that. I was so bummed out because that's one of the highlights of the entire thing. Right. But I, I cannot, I have to mention the fact that one of the bizarrest moments of the actual ceremony <laughs> was Dire Straits induction into the Hall of Fame. It was very awkward. You know, in, in the weeks before this, you know, Mark Knopfler had kind of, he said he wasn't, he wasn't coming. And there, there are rumors that it was because the Rock Hall would not pay his travel expenses <laughs> to the ceremony, which is nuts when you think about all the, exactly, the yeah. albums that these guys have, have sold. Totally. So, you know, everybody has, like, a celebrity inducting them. They play four songs. They each give a speech. Not Dire Straits, man. They had no one. <laughs> I think it's actually the first time in the history of the ceremony <laughs> that they did not have a celebrity induction speech i mean yeah and he even said in his speech yeah bassist john ilsley he gets up there and he he says i know this may be a little (laughs) bit weird but you know i'm gonna just induct dire straits ourselves and it's an honor to welcome dire straits into the hall of fame yeah and yeah and he also made the comment too that you know he felt that that was the best way for the band to be inducted um, and I'm not so sure if that was, you know, just him sort of beating around the bush, you know, but hey, I guess it worked out. But you I know, did see a lot of awkward. Yeah, to uh, me, I mean, he seemed genuinely like awkward and a little embarrassed, you know, that Mark <laughs> wasn't there and Mark's brother wasn't there. And, and there were like three of them. And to their credit, they actually did come backstage and talk to us yeah, a little bit. But yeah. 
but it was just bizarre because they they didn't play and it was just like okay dire straits is now a hall of fame <laughs> number next yeah so <laughs> it's like what do we have next let's hurry up and get these guys off the stage so so anyhow just a crazy time man but you know, this is a beer and music podcast, and so we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about the beer. And, yeah. and you know, Friday night, we actually went to the Butcher and the Brewer, which is on East 4th Street. East 4th Street, yeah. Yeah, it's like in the shadow of Quicken Loans Arena. and Yeah, it's like a, an alley, almost. It's cool. It's I mean, cool. there's a lot of neat little stuff, outdoor patio seating for all... All these different bars and, and luckily, all that, but luckily we were there on Friday too before the crappy weather happened. Yeah, so the weather absolutely. really worked out. But they had some good beer, man. Yeah, I, really, I think you really had their beer. you had the Jake, which is yeah. actually named after Progressive Field, which formerly used to be Jacobs Field, yeah. which people would call the Jake. It was really good, man. I mean, this this was an American Blonde uh, beer with the you know it only had a four point nine percent ABV. Um, you know, so that was, uh, you know, I was able to have a couple and still be okay. (laughs) Um, but the thing about this beer was it was very smooth and, uh, the taste was so crisp. It was just like a really, really good beer. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, like ales like that, they're meant to be sessionable. So you can kind of just hang out with your friends, a lot like Bud Light or Miller or something like that, that you can just kind of hang out with your friends and, and, you know, drink a bunch of them. You know, I had the the Stop Hop Kaboom, which is actually uh, one of their <laughs> IPAs. You know, it's made with, you know, Simcoe, Citra, Amarillo, and Centennial hops. I mean, Simcoe is a real popular uh, hop for IPAs, and this is their signature IPA. You know, it's got a 7.6%, <laughs> you know, alcohol content. Which is yeah, pretty high. Which is, which is, is a little high. high. So, uh I may have been, uh, I had a couple of them, so it kind of hit me pretty good, you know. But the one thing about this IPA that's different than a lot of IPAs is, and it's mostly because of the Simcoe hops, it only had a 64 IBU, which is, you know, for those of you not familiar with IBU, it's kind of a, a bitterness scale. It's not an exact representation of how bitter a beer is, but, you know, IPAs can go from 40 all the way up to 100, and or even more than 100, and so this is like 64, so it was actually kind of smooth, you know, it wasn't real harsh or bitter or anything like that, so I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, man, I was really, really impressed with their beer at that place. And tell you what, Jeff, I mean, Cleveland is actually, you know, you think about places like, you know, Boston or Chicago, stuff like that, have good beer, even up in the UP. But but Cleveland is really getting a name for itself and a reputation for making beer. Um, the, uh, let me, uh, yeah, I mean, they've got Great Lakes Brewing, obviously. and Yeah, and, yeah, Collision Bend, Masthead, you know, they even have Thirsty right. Dog. Yeah, Collision Bend, they recently won a USA Today contest for oh, the nice. best brew pub in America. Yeah, and yeah. I had checked it out a couple of weeks ago, and I mean, they not the brewer of Collision Bend actually came over from Great Lakes Brewing, so he had been with Great Lakes for a couple of decades, and and so he started this Collision Bend thing, which is actually down in the flats. It's a great location right there in the oh, river. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah, know, because they got some great beer. Yeah, yeah, and not only great beer, they got great food. I mean, I mean, we're not talking like the typical pub, like wings and chips and stuff chips. like that. I mean, I had yeah. I had roasted eggplant. 
melt. I mean, it, it oh, was yeah. fantastic. Oh yeah. But yeah, but there's you know there's a bunch of great places in Cleveland you can really go, and you know you mentioned Collision Bend, and right around the corner from Collision Bend is Thirsty Dog. Yeah. They uh you know which is obviously an Akron brewery, but they put this brand new tasting room in right around the corner, and they've got like thirty of their beers on tap. They got a big game wow, room. Thirty. Yeah, where you can play like cornhole. It's oh, just yeah. a, it's really a great place. Sounds like a great place. Yeah. But. Anyhow, man, it took me a couple of days to recover from that weekend. Oh and, uh, my god, I'm still trying <laughs> to recover from. I'm still trying to recover from the weekend, and it's it's uh, Wednesday. Yeah, but we got to start thinking about next week, and and yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's happening for our next show? So um, our guests uh, next week. Well, first off, we are going to be uh, have enjoying a nice beer from uh, Mommy Bay Brewing Company. Um, and aside from that, our, our guests uh, next week are going to be um, Waterville band uh, Oliver Hazard. They're a three-piece, um, and they've only existed for a little over a year now. But uh, back in January, I believe, um, I had written a story about them being uh, chosen, selected to play at this year's Bonnaroo uh, Music and Arts Festival down in Tennessee. And uh, I believe that's going to be taking place in June, uh, which is just insane, man, because these guys only have literally two songs out um hey louise and uh caesar knows but yet they have they've only been on spotify for several months now but yet they i'm pretty sure both of them have over three hundred thousand streams which is just insane that is nuts i've actually seen some of their uh that you know the two videos you mentioned and they really are i'm really looking forward to talking oh dude i'm so excited people are going to be you know really should be really really interested in that Anyhow, man, that's episode two of Noted in Toledo. I think that's a wrap. So thanks for joining us. And tell you what, we're going to give you one more song from the induction ceremony. Here's the cars, my best friend's girl. So enjoy, and we'll see you next week. Always dancing down the street. With your suede blue eyes Every new boy that you meet He doesn't know the real surprise Here she comes again When she stands beneath the starry sky